We knew you'd stick around. This is LA's home for progressive talk radio. Welcome back to KBLA Talk 1580. Well, I didn't know you'd stick around, but I I, I hoped you'd stick around. I'm glad you have, um, because now on the backside of this hour, conversation about the controversy around Atlanta's Cop City, as they are calling it. Protests around Cop City have led to violent confrontations in the ATL. Indeed, one stop, uh, stop Cop City, say that fast three times, one stop Cop City activist was shot and killed by Georgia police earlier this year, in fact. So what is Cop City? Glad you asked and glad you stuck around uh, for the beast out of this hour. Now the Capital B criminal justice reporter, Madeline Thigpen, joins us live. Madeline, good to have you on. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me. It's my delight to have you. I'm well. Thank you for asking. If I complained, I'd be an ingrate. So I'm glad to have you here and glad we got a few minutes to unpack what what Cop City is and why it is so controversial in the ATL. We've got some time. Take it away. Tell me about Cop City. Okay, so Cop City is a name given by protesters to a new police training facility that um, is set to be built in southeast Atlanta um, on land called the South River Forest. You'll also hear it referred to as Wilani Forest. That's the name given to it by the Muscogee Creek people who are native to Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, so this new training facility would be 85 acres on a around 380-acre plot of land. Um, it would include a number of things, including a mock city, that police would practice raids on. So that's where the name Cop City comes from. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so the proposal was announced in early 2021 by former Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms. So that's sort of when the Defend the Atlanta Forest Stop Cop City movement really uh, took off um, with canvassing, calling council members, um, protests, a number of things. And then in September of 2021, city council voted to lease the land, lease the South River Forest to the Atlanta Police Foundation. Now, the Atlanta Police Foundation is not the Atlanta Police Department. Mm -hmm. It's a private nonprofit, but that is who would be, um, that is who is in charge of sort of building and constructing this facility. Yeah. So as, as, I, as I've been following this story, it seems to me that the concerns of the community really uh, are focused on this notion that this facility, this $90 million you know, training facility, uh, would further militarize the police, further promote a culture of violence, uh, and that the location and the facility is in a predominantly black and low-income neighborhood. Now, all those are just some of the concerns that, I, that, I'm, that I'm reading as I've been trying to follow this myself here in Los Angeles. Uh, are, 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 is that description accurate? Yeah, definitely. I would definitely say among um, black activists, that is a major concern. One thing I do want to point out, um, so the city of Atlanta is 90% in Fulton County, 10% in DeKalb County. Mm-hmm. The South River Forest is in DeKalb County, but it is not within the borders of the city of Atlanta. So the residents who would like whose homes directly border the area where Cop City would be built do not have representation on Atlanta City Council. They have representation on the DeKalb County Board of Commissioners. Mm-hmm. Um, but because DeKalb County is not in charge of this land, um, the city council has the power to lease it to um, the Atlanta Police Foundation. Mm-hmm. Uh, residents in the area have are used to, so there is a police um, firing range, 
that is already on that land that has been there for a while. So um, residents have been in that area have been used to hearing um, gunfire, but this new training facility would include, you know, helicopter landing pad. Um, according to the proposals, they would be testing some explosives there. So it would bring a massive police presence into mm. this majority black community. Yeah. And, they're, and they're not just concerned about hearing more gunfire and, you know, bombs going off, uh, being deployed, as I should say, um, as cops are, are, are doing their training. But they're also concerned, again, as I'm following this story, uh, about increased police surveillance and harassment. And we all know across the nation, this station is flagshipped in L.A. We're heard across the nation, but the whole country has seen uh, in the last few years uh, more than once uh, video footage of, of, of cop killings uh, of, of, of unarmed black men uh, in the city of Atlanta. Uh, and so there's concern about, you know, again, increased police surveillance in police, uh, increased rather police harassment. What do you know about those concerns? Yes, absolutely. I mean, so in 2020, um, a man named Rayshard Brooks was killed by an Atlanta police officer mm -hmm. who had completed um, de-escalation training. So there is a lot of um, pushback from activists that this training would somehow reduce uses of force in the Atlanta Police Department. Um, and Atlanta, a lot of activists call it the most surveilled city in the country because there is a massive network of um, cameras mm. throughout the city that connect to the Atlanta Police Department um, where they can really see anything going on on the street as long as the cameras are connected. Yeah. Let, let me ask you, and this, this may be a question that you can't answer, maybe a question for politicians, but let me ask it anyway. How in a city that is predominantly black, that has perennially had, uh, as far back as I can recall, uh, African-American mayors, I'm going back to Mayor Jackson. So they perennially had African-American mayors. The city is predominantly black. And yet, to your point, um, it is true. Uh, one can make the argument based on the data that Atlanta is the most uh, uh, surveilled city in the nation. How is it that black folk uh, in a black city that they run allow themselves to be surveilled by the police? Yeah. So, I mean, I would say it's a couple of things. Mm -hmm. Um the surveillance by the Atlanta Police Department and the politicians that sort of allowed for this, like, proliferation of the surveillance state, I guess, to continue is um, it has a lot of it has been done in the name of criminal justice reform. Mm. So it's not that it's being pushed through as a Republican or right wing agenda. It is being pushed through as, you know, safety measures that are supposed to help um, black Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I uh, uh, I ain't buying it. <laughs> I, hear, I hear your point. You're just a reporter. But I, my question uh, uh, is still uh, ringing, uh, at least in my ears, of how these these Negroes in Atlanta allowed themselves to be surveilled by the police department. Uh, it was sold to them, uh, I suspect, by a number of mayors because this has been increasing, as you put it, over the years. Uh, that might be a conversation to have with the with the present mayor at some point about how this all happened. Uh, that said, um, I, I mentioned at the top that there was one activist, one stop cop city activist, who was shot and killed by Georgia police earlier this year. Tell me about that, Madeline Thickpin. Yes. So the activist that was killed, um, Manuel Tortuguita Paez Tehran, um, you'll hear them referred to as 
Tortuguita a lot. Mm-hmm. They were killed on January 18th. Um, so there was a joint task force of a number of law enforcement agencies that were conducting what they called a clearing operation, basically to remove the protesters that had moved into the forest and were living there in tents, tree houses. Um, and uh, so according to the police report, Tortuguita fired at the Georgia State Patrol officers first and then was killed by returning fire. Um, a lot of activists have called that narrative into question. Mm-hmm. Tortuguita's family released an independent autopsy on Monday that said that uh, their hands were raised in the air while they were shot. Um, so we do have to wait, I guess, fully the uh, GBI the Georgia Bureau of Investigation is supposed to be concluding their investigation within 90 days of the incident. So that's April 18th, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but activists and a lot of organizers are saying that they believe that the officer who was injured on that day was not shot by Tortuguita, but was hit by friendly fire. Mm. Um, they back up that claim with um body cam footage that the Atlanta Police Department released where APD officers who were not at the scene of the shooting but were in the forest at the time are discussing what they think happened um, and saying that they think that the officer was shot by one of their own. Mm. Yeah, um, as I say, it's it's getting hot in Atlanta around this uh, um, notion of what they are calling Cop City. When we come forward, a couple other questions about that. Um, Specifically, I want to go to this question uh, about the price tag on this. We're talking almost $100 million. And whether you're in L.A. or any number, any other major American city, there are always these debates about how much of the budget uh, ought to be given to the police department. It's the same debate we have at the federal level, right, about how many uh, billions of dollars it seems we're going to continue giving the Defense Department, sometimes more than what they even ask for. But this country is becoming more and more militarized at the local level, at the state level, at the federal level. And I'm curious as to how residents are responding to the fact that almost $100 million of their money uh, is being spent for this facility that many people find uh, egregious. We'll talk about that with our guest, Madeline Thickpin, who is the the criminal justice reporter for Capital B. And then before I wrap, I want to have Madeline talk about Capital B. I'm fascinated by this. It's a black-led, nonprofit news organization. So you're talking to a woman, uh, a sister who, who knows the story well, who's doing her job quite well in Atlanta and reporting to us on this program today, but she works with and for a black-led nonprofit news organization called Capital B, which I find fascinating, so we'll talk about that as well when we come forward with Madeline Thigpen on KBLA Talk 1580. Say the quiet part out loud. KBLA Talk 1580. Conversations that matter. matter. You're listening to Tavis Smiley on KBLA Talk 1580. Any conversations, Madeline Thigpen? Any outrage about the price tag on this uh, on this cop city uh, facility? Yeah. So, so ninety million dollars is the total price tag. Mm-hmm. Um, the Atlanta Police Foundation will be responsible for raising sixty million of those dollars, and then thirty million will come from the city of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, There has been a lot of criticism of the city spending, you know, this much money on this training facility. Last week at a protest in Woodruff Park, which is in downtown Atlanta, I spoke to a Georgia State student who grew up in Atlanta suburbs, but obviously now lives in the city. 
And he said, you know, you look across the street at Woodruff Park, you see this massive homeless population, but instead of building housing for these people to live in, the city is building fake housing for the police to practice raids on civilians. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that really just points to the frustration of activists in the city who have been working tirelessly to get affordable housing um, and just to prevent um, the homeless population in the city from continuing to grow. One last uh, question about Cop City. Um, I I read a piece uh, uh, last night prepping for our conversation, and the headline was, who is Cop City for? Residents living near the site aren't so sure. Uh, tell me about that debate. Who actually benefits from this facility and the debate around it? Yeah. Yeah. So obviously the Atlanta Police Department benefits um, by having this giant brand new facility. Um, something that a lot of activists have pointed out is that according to the proposal for the plan around is the number I've heard Mm -hmm. of the officers who will be trained there will be from out of state. Um, And a lot of activists bring this up to push against this sort of outside agitator narrative by saying, you know, this facility is going to be bringing in police officers from out of state. So why shouldn't people from out of state Mm. also come to protest if their police officers have the chance of being trained at this facility? Um, I've spoken to a number of residents who live in the like neighborhoods immediately around Wilani Forest, um, and most of them have said, you know, we don't want this to be built here. Um, the area, the park, is a green space that residents in the area have just used to, you know, to walk through, use the trails and stuff like that. Um, I will say, I have spoken to a couple of residents who have said, you know, it's honestly not worth the trouble all of this resistance is causing, but um, there are still many, many residents who say they do not want this training facility to be built. Nope, I, I hear you. Um, when we come forward in our remaining moments with Madeline Thigpen, I want to talk about Capital B. As I mentioned earlier, she is the criminal justice reporter for Capital B, but Capital B is a black-led nonprofit news organization. Of course, Madeline is appearing right now on a black-operated, uh, black-owned talk radio station. So we are simpatico in our mission uh, to serve our communities uh, as best we can. Uh, but they are specifically uh, a nonprofit news organization and nonprofit. So both of those words are uh, kind of atypical when you think of black folk that we're running a nonprofit news organization, and yet it seems to be thriving. Um, and uh, I want to uh, just uh, learn a bit more about Capital B. When we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. Interrogating your assumptions. And expanding your inventory of ideas. Let's get back to Tavis Smiley on KBLA Talk 1580. Let's get back to Madeline Thigpen, criminal justice reporter for Capital B, a black-led nonprofit news organization. Um, uh, When uh, Capital B was founded, uh, when it was launched, Madeline Thigpen, I had one of your founders on and your editorial director on this program to celebrate uh, their advent uh, into the media space. Um, but tell me a bit more about Capital B and how things are going so far. Yeah, so uh, we actually just celebrated our one-year anniversary Yay. in January. But Yay. yeah, Capital B was founded by Lauren Williams and Akoto Foriata. Um, so I actually work for Capital B Atlanta. So mm-hmm. we have a team of national reporters, and then we also have Capital B Atlanta, which is a separate newsroom. Mm-hmm. Um, so I specifically cover criminal justice in Atlanta and the Atlanta metro area. Um, but yeah, so Capital at Capital B, we just 
we make it a goal to highlight voices of Black residents. We make it a point to speak to Black experts, um, just to center Black voices in the news that we are reporting. And also, we make a point to look for stories that are going to specifically impact um, the Black community. Uh, recently, we had a series about the maternal health crisis in Georgia mm. um, and focusing on black families who live in, not in, in Atlanta metro, but live in r- more rural parts of Georgia who have had very um, scary birth, delivery, and postpartum experiences because of the lack of maternal health care in their area. Yeah. Now you're doing you're doing great work. Let me ask you a couple couple, couple of personal questions. Number one, um, uh, is there a joy that you find in uh, as a as a as a black woman being able to work for a black led nonprofit news organization? Yes, definitely. And I actually so I started at Capital B in August, mm-hmm. and I came from another black news organization. I was covering education at a paper in Atlanta called The Atlanta Voice. I know it well. I know it well, sure. Yeah, the last black paper in the city that is still printing. Mm. Um, And so I was really glad to be able to come to another news organization that prioritizes black people and black voices while also, you know, continuing to grow in my journalistic career. It's been really great. Yep. And, and speaking of your journalistic career, which is, in fact, burgeoning, uh, let me close with this. Uh, what is it like uh, to be uh, a black woman, uh, black person, period, covering criminal justice issues in a black city, which obviously, given that it is black, uh, oftentimes means you're covering black folk who are entrapped in this system. What's it like being a black person covering criminal justice in a black city? Well, I think especially in Atlanta, because it's a black city, there are black people in every level of the criminal justice system. So Mm -hmm. it's not just the people being prosecuted. It's also the prosecutors. Mm -hmm. A lot of times it's also the arresting officers and the judges. So it's really um, it's a really different experience to cover a place where you can't necessarily take a... um, just a racial view of what's mm-hmm. going on. We kind of have to pull out and look at some of the larger issues that are at play because yeah. we can't just say this person is individually, you know, a racist person. It's really about more of systems that yeah. are at work. No, it does. It does. I suspect nuance your coverage when to your point, people don't think about that. The suspects are black, but so are the prosecutors and so are the judges and so are the police. It changes the whole game uh, when it comes to uh, covering that. And that's why you have to be really, really good at what you do uh, and adroit uh, to cover criminal justice issues in a city that has that kind of makeup. And that is why uh, Madeline Thigpen has been our guest uh, in this half hour. She is, again, the criminal justice reporter for Capital B, this black led nonprofit news organization. And I've been delighted to have had her on in this hour to uh, explain to us what's happening with Cop City in the ATL. Madeline, we'll do it again, but thank you for your time. All the best to you in your, in your, uh, in your career. Thank you for having me. My great honor. Hour two of Tavis Smiley. After news, traffic, and sports, you're listening to KBLA Talk 1580. KBLA 1580 Santa Monica.